What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We are now on Apple Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. Those are Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they've recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Changer at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. Okay, I'm signing up for 78 and blood. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Coulot. What is up, everyone? Hope everyone had a great week. We're all doing well. Before we get started with the episode, we want to remind everyone that we're selling limited edition the Drop Podcast polos. You can pre-order those polos at flukeapparelco.com and choose from any of the three designs listed on their website. With each polo purchased... We're going to be donating $5 to the Jersey Shore First Tee Program. Go order a great polo for an even better cause. You don't want to miss out on this exclusive offer. It's not going to last forever. All right, Mike and I have a lot to discuss today. we got a jam-packed episode. But before we get into all that, we want to let you know that we have another huge guest this week. We were fortunate to get uh, a couple minutes in person at Liberty National with the Mizuho America's Open host, Michelle Wee. It was, it was incredible sitting down with her. Uh, we, were, we were able to get 20 minutes to a half an hour, sit down. It was, it was a great chat. We're going to get into all that, so make sure you stick around. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that interview. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's jump into it, yeah? Let's do it. I think let's we need, do it. I think we need to start where we ended last week. Let's talk about the PGA and live. Uh, last week we ended with the, from the grandstand asking if PGA and live could coexist. I think we both agreed that there is a way that both tours could exist, that both entities could exist, that there is a place for both in the world of golf. Um, as with anything, something new coming around is going to be kind of tough to, you know, sometimes new things are scary, but it seems like we had gotten to a place where it's like, okay, we're just we're gonna we're gonna coexist, and and that's that's just what we're gonna have to do. And then, while we recorded last Sunday and put out the episode last Wednesday, on Tuesday it broke that they were joining forces, and we didn't want to do an emergency episode or emergency breaking news or whatever like that we wanted to leave it as authentic as possible and so we we put a little disclaimer in last week's episode but let's talk about it now and especially I I like that we kind of waited because we've had some time to digest sit on it uh more news more 
information has come out about what this means, essentially. So what do you what do you think? What's what's going on with this? What are your like how shocked were you, I guess? Let's start there. How shocked were you that that this came out after no real announcement or no there was no scuttlebutt, nothing. This just this came out of left field. Yeah, I mean listen, I, I give Chris from Monmouth County, a lot of credit from last week's from the grandstand. And I don't know if maybe he's on the end that something no one else in the whole golf world knew, but because his question was simply, will live, you know, be around more or less. And I don't know if he was a psychic or what, but he nailed that right on the head. And then come, then come Tuesday, I get a text message from another listener, John, who says, you know, sends me the CNBC article. And I text him back and I said, no way. I click the link and it's legit. I thought maybe it was some sort of spam thing. And I'm reading this and now all of a sudden now the phone's going off. Ding, ding, ding. I think like every other human being that is involved in the golf world, you're blown away because you simply never saw this coming because from day one, Jay Monahan, more than anybody else, took the moral high ground and said, this is it, the end all, like PGA Tour, we're going to figure it out. They made all these changes heading into this year. You never saw the idea. It was never floated around. It was never discussed on any anywhere in, in golf Twitter about maybe a merger. You heard some rumblings that Brooks was unhappy. Um, you know, they got to play in the majors. Does that change things? Brooks then wins the PGA. Does that mean maybe he plays in the Ryder Cup? And now Rory comes out and says, I think he should play in the Ryder Cup, but I don't want any European. So... Clearly, things had been going on. You know, obviously, you know, to what extent, none of us, especially in our little world, knows exactly what's transpiring. And then when the news broke, I think like anything, your jaw hits the ground. It hits the ground. I mean, you're stunned. You you don't see it coming. But clearly, behind the scenes, the PGA Tour was just funneling money into this lawsuit that they clearly don't have the way the PIF has in, in Saudi Arabia. It's just a different world. And I know people say, well, it's live golf, and it's really not live golf, okay? I think there is and needs to be that separation because live golf only exists because of Saudi Arabia and the PIF fund. That, that's it. That, that's how it's funded. So it's not, like, it's not like Saudi Arabia and the live, like it's two different entities. One backs the other, which is why they're able to do what they're doing. Now, moving forward, I think... Jay Monahan has a lot of say in what ends up transpiring with Liv because the PIF is now going to back the PGA Tour. But like Jay has said many times, like he's going to be called a hypocrite over and over again because he took one way and he went the complete He other. was so hardline on one way. Like he was so hardline for so long and then seemingly without any... Uh, no warning. warning. No warning. Yeah. No warning. Just just left turned it and and all of a sudden we got this connection between tours and it's like, well, wait a second. Why you've said you hated where the money was coming from. You've said you've hated another tour. You've said you've hated the like anti Saudi Arabia. He even went in and talked about nine eleven stuff. And now we're getting into getting into bed with with the entity that you've said is the enemy in this, and now you're now you're just jumping in bed with them. That that, that money talks now as opposed to it didn't used to. 
Like, what is that about? And and the other thing that I've heard is that he's going to be called a hypocrite. And I guess it's better to be called a hypocrite than a criminal because why is he, by taking this money, it's closing those lawsuits so the books don't get opened. So is there something fishy going on? And uh, I got to say that that... That holds water to me. Like that holds. I think it does. I think. Yeah. I think when it came to discovery, in terms of them being open and transparent about what they do, I think that played a major role in it. And I think Phil and I know we all have I was criticized just say, him. For, yep. You know, for what he has said, clearly he was in on the know of what the PGA Tour has and has done. He, you know, whistle blew the whole thing. And I think when it gets to discovery, they don't want to fully be transparent with everything. And I think they don't have the money, no offense, that the PIF has. I mean, Saudi Arabia, the fund has over, they say, $700 billion. Like, no offense, the PGA Tour is, in a sense, a non-profitable business. So like, so I get it, there's ins and outs within that, yeah. but I love you don't what, have that money. Yeah, I love, let's look at what Jay Monahan makes a year, what his salary is. I love when nonprofits are run by people that are making $10 billion a year. Yeah, I don't know if it's that much money, but yes, I get what you're saying in terms of nonprofit. Somehow, it's not a nonprofit. I know that we all like to say that at times, but the reality is like someone's getting paid to run the nonprofit. Right. Compensation for 2020 was $14.2 million, Jay Monahan yeah. made. Yeah, and that, does, that doesn't account for all his kind of luxuries that he gets. Mm -hmm. The perks, yeah. the perks, I'm sure, of the private jets and the oh, memberships. Yeah. The uh -huh. car. So, yeah, that's kind of just a base number. But I think at the end of the day, listen, I think we all can we all can agree that what which, Saudi Arabia... Well, which, hold on, Mike. I, I don't I don't even disagree with it. Like, $14 million is a ton of money. But, okay, he's the CEO of this. And I'm not even saying that he shouldn't have a private jet because he's got to fly from different places and go to speaking engagements. I, I mean, I'm not even saying that he shouldn't have certain luxuries being the CEO of of a nonprofit. I'm not saying that he should be living in in squalor because he works for a nonprofit. But it's the but there's definitely shady money's being held somewhere that that people that he doesn't want people to know about, whether it's like and and I don't even mean to sound like that kind of conspiracy theorist, but but there's definitely shady shit going on here that that they didn't want and, and the PGA Tour has been printing money for years and years and years, but it's only now that we can finally pay everybody $5,000 for showing up to a tournament and increase some of the prize pools by 10% or whatever they whatever that number was on, on the, um, the designated events. So, yeah, that, that's... Yeah, listen, I think, I think clearly there's money there. And Phil was right. He called him out. And I think no matter what, we all can sit here and all agree. And I think anybody, whether you like Live or hate Live, you like the PGA Tour, you hate the PGA Tour, you, we can all sit here and say that the atrocities that go on in Saudi Arabia are just disgusting and outdated and ridiculous. Like, does anybody sit there and say, like, oh, no, that maybe, listen, the fact that women can't do certain things there is just outrageous and ridiculous. We're in 2023. We need to adapt and we need to evolve a little bit. They don't do that. But at the end of the day, we also know that money rules the world. And no matter what you say... Cash rules everything at, around me. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Get the and money. I think that dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And that's what won out here. A fund that just is endless compared to someone that has a bottom line. You just can't keep going because at the end of the day, you're not going to win. And they're just out there to just run through it. And I think we can also say that like things that are invested into the PGA Tour will make the product better. Clearly, money does help that situation. It just sucks where the money's coming from. So I think at the end of the day, like Saudi Arabia is involved in a lot of things that we all don't know about that we all still buy, we all still involved with, it doesn't mean that we still need to agree with anything that goes on there. But at the end of the day, I think we all can recognize that the money that they have and the money that they're willing to invest in golf specifically will eventually make the game even better. You hope. DPP Functional Fitness is based out of Brielle, New Jersey and is led by David Pletzner. David is an ACE certified fitness professional and Titleist Performance Institute golf fitness instructor. DPP Functional Fitness has been able to work with the likes of Chris Dimmick, Jack Wall, and Ryan Druska, just a few household names in New Jersey golf. David prides himself on helping individuals of any age, gender, and fitness level to find their best road to a healthier way of living. He accomplishes this by focusing on each person's strengths along with improving any imbalances in your lives. So go check David out at dppfitness.com or on Instagram at dppfitness. You'll leave a much better person. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's change gears here and let's go over to the U.S. Open at uh, LACC. Coming up next week? This week, right? Isn't it this week? July 15th. No, it's not June. I'm sorry, June 15th. Yeah, coming up this week. This week. Wow, that comes up fast. Uh, it starts Thursday. Yeah, Because it this goes right to Father's Day weekend. Yep. Right to Father's Day weekend. We've talked about it going back all the way to episode, what was that with Stu? Goodness gracious, that's 20, a while ago. 2021, maybe something, somewhere in there, when we had Stu Hagestad on talking about... Um, He's a member there. He's looking forward to playing there. Hope he, hopefully he qualifies. So we've kind of been... Nobody did. Nobody from the area qualified. No Stu, no Brad Tilly, no Jack Wall. No, I, I know that, but I'm saying he was hoping to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, so we had started he, he talking about it back then, and it feels like ages ago, and it's now finally here. And where I was getting to was none of our guys qualified. <laughs> but we have a tournament regardless. I... Uh, I don't know if you looked into the course at all, Mike. Uh, I did just a little bit only because my younger brother lives out in L.A., so I was kind of seeing in relationship to where he was, and then I kind of got lost down the rabbit hole of Google Maps, but just, you know, from a, from a bird's eye view. Who do you like this week? Wow, great question. I think, I, I think there's a lot of storylines right now, mm -hmm. and I think when you're talking about, like, who's playing the best, if Scotty Scheffler's putter ever wakes up, it's a runaway. I think Scotty wins in a runaway. I think if Rom catches another one of those heaters like he was on, Masters and pre-Masters, it's not even close. If Brooks decides he's going to show up and play the way he did at the PGA, and even the Masters, quite frankly, it's a runaway. Like, I don't know. I don't know out of those three guys. Like, I know Rory at the time, when we talked about the Masters, it was like Rory was in that top three. Like, for me, I, I don't have Rory in there. Now, I know today's Wednesday, and... 
I'm not really watching what Rory's doing in the final round at the RBC Canadian Open. I do know he's two shots back to start the day, so like, I, I'm not paying attention to that. So maybe he gets on a little bender today and wins. But, um, you know, and speaking about what's going on, like, those three are far and away, in my eyes, the front runners. And I think if you check the odds, I'm sure that supports that statement. But I, I think guys that are like kind of playing really well right now are are just like, you know, Max Homa's got some amazing history at LACC. I mean, they played the Pac-12 tournament there, or I think maybe at the time it was Pac-10. He won it, fired low numbers. Even if you recall, I think Stu has mentioned in, in our past interview that he's seen Max out there, so it's not like Max doesn't ever play there. Again, you got to like Max's chances, but I, I think, I, I guess if you're asking me who my pick is to win the whole damn thing, oh God, I, I'm going Patrick Cantlay this week. I, I know I know it's a tough pill to swallow in terms of like, well, Patrick Cantlay hasn't played really well. He switched to Tiger's caddy. He's never won a major. And I know people are going to be like, oh, Cantlay. Why Cantlay? Again, for me, Cantlay's got Southern Cal written all over him. I think he went to UCLA. He's familiar with the area. And I just think that it's inevitable with a guy of his talent. Hopefully he doesn't hold up the whole golf course. But if he's in the last group, who cares? I just got Patrick Cantlay winning the 2023 United States Open at LACC. Okay. I I actually, I don't think I like Cantlay. Like, I don't know if I would bet him to do anything. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the talk about him has got to put, I don't know, pressure is the right word, but I, I'm not in love with Cantlay as that bet. I do love Max Homa, though. Love, love, love Max Homa. I almost love him to the point where I'm trying to find ways to talk myself out of how much I love Max Homa. And, like, thinking maybe there's too much pressure on him to do well this week because he knows the course so well. You know, that there's that added pressure of, like... But can't you make that same argument, then, for Cantlay? You you certainly could, but I I don't... Yeah, I don't... I don't know... you're just in love, and sometimes I, when you're in love, that that just you know I, you don't see anything else. Exactly. You know? you got, so I've you even got thought, tunnel vision. I've even thought that, and I'm like, ooh, I still I still like Max Homa. I I, I do. <laughs> I like I like Max Homa. Um, I like Maddie Fitz. Uh, as as a a guy who plays well in the U.S. Opens. Yeah, um, no shit. He just won last year. Right. So that's I, I would qualify that as playing well. And this is me again. Like I'm, I'm taking out. I pulled up the betting odds. Scotty's plus seven fifty. Rom is plus eight hundred. McElroy plus a hundred. Brooks plus eleven hundred. Patrick Cantlay, your boy, plus fourteen hundred. Victor Hovland plus eighteen hundred. Is that five? What was One, Rory? Two, three, four, five, plus eleven hundred. Rory's plus a thousand. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Brooks you said hundred. You scared me. Oh, gotcha, okay. Gotcha. You scared um, me. <laughs> so those are, you know, and then Xander Shoffley is uh, plus 2,000. Morikawa, 2,000. Spieth, 2,200. Um, uh, like, as, as I, I, I like to, you know, I like to get rid of the top guys because I don't, I don't think we're living in, like, a Tiger era where, but there was a stretch there where Tiger was winning 14% of his starts or something like that, and it's, it's just a it's just a run I don't think we'll ever see. So because of that, I like to go a little bit down. And and again, a guy like Max Homa who's plus twenty five. So I think that's going to be a. I think that could could be somewhere. Maddie Fitz plus three thirty. Uh, I'm sorry, 
plus uh, 3,300. So, uh, I, again, and, and I liked, uh, I said a couple weeks ago, I liked Sam Burns. I think that's another one. Like, you keep going further down. It's like, all right, that's another one that I kind of like. So, again, staying away from the top guys, I think it's a runaway if Scotty Scheffler's putter is, is working because he's leading the field in all of these other categories. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is, what does strokes gained mean? And he's leading the field in strokes gained off the tee on approach, or he's in the top five in those, but he's in the bottom five in in putting. Matara's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table. Recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matara's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matara's On Park app in Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram at Matara's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao! Matars, you walk in a stranger, leave his family. So, I think that brings me to this. Mike, do you know what that means? What does strokes gain so, mean? So listen, I, I would say I know what it means, but I think there are better people to explain it than me. Because, and again, I, I could be wrong with fully grasping this because I think even for like the average Joe, like if you're worried about strokes gain, dude, don't, you know, fast forward to this part. Like strokes gain is a, is a metric that guys on the tour are really worried about. But it's a way for you to like compare like your performance in all aspects of the game against the other people like in the field or on the season. So it's an overall metric. So, you know, it talks about like hitting the ball off the fairway. Like, let's see in relation to where you are against the field in all the tournaments or that specific tournament, did you gain strokes against the field in terms of being in the plus? Same thing with X amount of shots from a certain distance, 100 yards, 150, 200, par threes, putting on 10 foot putts, because you know, there's like anything, everything is a stat and everything is analytics based. So and a 10-footer, they track every single 10-footer throughout the entire tournament. And are you plus or are you minus against the field in that tournament? And then just like anything, they have the overall. So then when I combine the, all the tournaments together, are you in the plus in terms of making that 10-footer versus everybody else? And clearly, if you've, like to your point, if you've seen anything about Scotty, the dude just stripes it from fairway to green, but when he gets on the green, you just don't know what's going on. Right, he's becoming Michael J. Fox when he gets up there. So, I, I'm not going to read this, and it is a chart, so it's going to be, it's not going to be great to be explained. But basically, this chart on Shotscope.com is a is a blog post that's explaining it, and I, and I think it's I'm starting to understand it a little better. But it, it just to me is tough on how they can track. Like if I hit it in the in the fairway, but I only hit a 200-yard drive, you hit a 300-yard drive, but you're in the rough. I, I don't know. It's it was it's tough for me to wrap my mind how we can mathematically equate which one of those is better, you know. 
Right. And I'll tell you this. They don't. Got, yeah. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Again, these stats are awesome if you're a, an analytic nerd like me. Like, yes, it's awesome to look at. But at the end of the day, just like that example you said, if you're not hitting the ball on planet Earth, it doesn't who matter. cares? Yeah. Who cares? But I think that's a way, like, if you are trying to get better and you're somewhere, you know, someone who's shooting close to 80, let's say, and you and you are, uh, what's an 80, 80 average makes you like a 8 to 10 handicap somewhere in there. Yeah, maybe lower, 7, 7-ish. Seven, and you want to get to somewhere where you're a little lower and you you want to figure out what to work on. I was thinking maybe this is something that you could focus on to say, okay, how do I do this? How do I look at this and go, okay, I'm really not putting the ball well, which is kind of what I thought, but that's really very clearly if I was putting the ball even slightly better, I'd go from a, a 9 to a 5 real quick. So, so again, I, that's kind of what my thinking was and how to, how to kind of figure that out. And I think, I think to your point, I think that's exactly to simplify the strokes gained formula or model is exactly kind of like what we do when you and I play. We track fairways, we track the greens, we track how many putts. And I think for the average person, like that's simple enough that you can look at your body of work. If you're really diligent and you care about your golf game, about improving, like let me track everything I play. And all you need to do is put an X in the box if you hit the fairway, if you didn't. And then you just tally them up. And then at the end of the year, you have real data about what you did when you played. And I think that's a great starting point before you take it to the advanced level of strokes gained. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, so then I'd, I'd go another step further and keep, keep pushing the envelope. How many, like what's good? If you get, again, par 72, there's going to be three par fours which means that you got 14 fairways to hit. What's a good what's a good number of those? Obviously 14, but if you hit 10 fairways is that is that good? If plus, you have any, anything that's plus. Anything that's plus versus the field. So for example, no, no, if the I'm field saying, is I'm, I'm I'm not now I'm not even talking about like um, strokes gained. I'm talking about for the person that wants to be better at like they start tracking their stats, right? Like, like you said, you and I do. And I start, and I start noticing, hey, I, I hit 11 of the 14 fairways today. I hit, like, let's talk about our last couple rounds. We played Shoregate. If I hit 11 fairways, Seaview, I hit 10 fairways. I, is that good or bad? I don't, I don't really know. I'm going to be honest, neither of those numbers are true. <laughs> but uh, listen, but, but what's the number you're looking for in that? And then I'd say the same thing with putts, like 18 holes. Uh, two putt is 36 is 36 putts way too much so where should your putts be yeah so I think I think again just like everything in life we're all going to be different in terms of what our expectations are which is why you need a foundation and a baseline so you would need to be consistent and do this often and then say okay where is my golf game at right okay maybe for some of us 50% is the number we want to hit 50% of the fairways, 50% of the putts, and we just want to two-putt every hole and have 36 putts. For some of us, that's going to be damn near good. Because I'll tell but you, like if you're anytime that I'm on the green, because I'm not knocking it super close, and really the only time I don't look to two-putt is if I'm putting from the, from the fringe 
and that's not considered a putt. So, but I still right. look at that as like I want to two putt that because I should putt it. That's why I'm putting it, and then I should make the next putt. So, yeah, like, because I statistically, look, I don't yeah, want to have any speaking, three that's putts. a one putt. Exactly. Yeah, that's a but, one. but I'm saying I don't want to ever have any three putts. So I look at every green as I want a two putt because that's what golf is. Uh, any par three, you're hitting the green two putt. Par four, fairway green two putt. Par five. Fairway, fairway, green, two putt. So that's how golf is calculated. So, so I, I, not that I would argue this, but I guess I would say 36 putts, while you say it's too much, I'm saying that the game of golf is saying 36 is your standard number. Which is why, which is why when you play your game, we're all going to be different. Like if you were to ask me point blank, Mike, what are your goals? Like, if we play a par 72 that is 14 par 4s and 5s, a combined, you know, 14 par mm-hmm. par 4s and par 5s, like my goal is to hit more than 10 fairways, period. I want to be somewhere between 10 and 11 out of 14 fairways. When I putt, ideally, it'd be the number 30 and lower, okay? And then when it comes to greens, I'd like to be in double digits because to me, if I can hit 10 out of 18 greens and I've hit double digits in terms of fairways hit, and I've had 30 or less putts, I know I played a good round of golf. Right. Anytime that I shoot low 80s and I look at my round and backtrack it, I either putt it horrendously or I did not hit the ball in the fairway. Those are the two things. Those to me are, like are, are, are very clear indicators for me personally that I didn't play well. Now, you look at good rounds, 27 putts. You hit 11 fairways. You hit 12 greens. You went low. But again, I think that's... What we I, all right, I would argue that you went super low. Like if you were to tell me you had twenty-seven putts and hit eleven fairways, eleven of fourteen, and hit twelve green and regulations, I, I would. And I have no idea to base this off of. I would say that's around in the sixties. Probably give or take. Yeah, you're probably sixty-eight, sixty-nine. So that so like so that's what that's I mean. Real, like that's a really yeah. good round of golf. Right. Which means that if you had, but I also said thirty or below. So like if I shot, if I had thirty putts and you keep me the same numbers, to me it's like probably right around even par. Okay. You know, give or take. Yeah. You know, so it's just like anything. But then even like anything, though thirty-six, gotta, if you had thirty-six putts and that puts you at a a seventy-eight, I'd also consider that a really great round of golf. Like, you look at how many people break. Like if you went out every time and you're gonna say, hey, you're gonna shoot seventy-eight. Are you I'm taking not signing that? up for that. You're not no. signing up for that. No. I am too much of a like. I am if it's 78, it needs to be 77. And once it's 77, it needs to be 76. Okay. I'm signing up for 78 in blood. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's golf. Yeah. That's golf. We're all and that's the thing. We're all different. Just because I I mean the amount of times that I've broken 80 is not is not like if you break 80. And I mean the other way. If you get out of the 70s and into the 80s, you're not happy. I'm always happy. <laughs> <laughs> but you expect to be a 70s golfer, whereas I expect to be an 80s golfer. So when I do go in the 70s, the five times I've done it, that's, that's pretty meaningful. When you go into the 80s, you're going to say, I didn't, I didn't play well. Correct. I might say some. I might say some other choice words thrown in there, but if you want to summarize it, sure, we I'm, can keep I'm it that gonna, simple. One hundred percent. Yeah, you're not going to be happy. So, I, but again, I, yeah, I think we got two different, two different golf games there. 
Since the game began, golfers have longed to spend eternity on the golf course. ExtraHoles.com has made that possible. ExtraHoles.com is a unique way to pay tribute to a golfer who has selected cremation upon their death. Their biodegradable, personalized golf balls have been designed as a creative option for family members and friends to celebrate and remember the life of a golfer. Extra Holes Golf Balls, respectfully hand-filled with a sample of a golfer's cremated ashes, when struck off a tee will burst into small pieces, releasing the ashes to float in the air and settle softly on the ground. Honor a family member or friend who loved golf or ensure that your family or friends will help spread your ashes on a golf course you enjoyed playing during your life. Get the details and full story by visiting ExtraHoles.com. That's ExtraHoles.com. Okay, so real quick, let's let's circle back to the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we because can. you you and I you and I can do this. I'm saying can't lay. You're saying you're in love with Max Homa, but are you taking Max Homa as your pick too? You do know he's married and has a kid already, so he's off the he's off the waiver wire. But are you making him? Picking him to win the tournament? Um, I think so. Oh, here we go. I think I wow. am. Wow, okay. So that's it. Chalk it up. Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, because I'm telling you what, next week, if one of those dudes win, one of those two dudes win, if someone's coming on here next week is is flexing muscles, I might come on the podcast shirtless. <laughs> Can I tell you who else that I think, and you know what? Before oh, I say his name, field? hold on. No, 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 no. Say the field? no, 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 yeah, Tiger Woods. No, I think another one, if you want to go like California guy who's starting to play better, who's who's been in a dark place for a while with his game, but is now starting to starting to turn it around. I think he finished tied seventh uh, last week or two weeks ago. I would not be shocked if Ricky Fowler's name is near the top you did. of the leaderboard. I knew you were going to say that. You're just a Ricky Fowler guy. I, I, you uh, are. You just want to see Ricky come back with his orange on Sunday. No, I don't flat, want to see. I don't want to see any of those brim, colors. His flat brim. You know. No, that. Here I'm we not, go. Then we're, I don't. Now we're gonna start calling him Rick Fowler because now he's you know like because he's a man. Go. He's not Ricky. Yeah. He's Rick. Fowler. All right. Listen. Let's. I will throw. I will throw one out there as an outside the box guy. I know you're. I. I knew. Knew you were gonna say Ricky Fowler as I pulled up the odds and I'm just scrolling real quickly. Um, I knew you were going to say that, but I'm, my outside-the-box pick, um, who I think has been playing well as the latest Jason Day. Yeah, I, I think Jason Day's been playing better golf. I know he struggled at the Memorial, but I'm taking Jason Day as like an option B if my boy Cantlay doesn't win, but I will not be coming on here shirtless if Jason Day does win. But if Patrick Cantlay does, my man has liked some of my comments on Instagram. Let that be known. Um We've even had a few um, comments back and forth on Instagram as well. So Patrick Ooh. Cantlay, Patrick Cantlay to the moon. I just pulled up uh, an article. I just typed in Ricky Fowler, and the first article that comes up is Tiger Woods withdraws from U.S. Open, semicolon Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, and then it like dot 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 to like click on it. So I don't know what that means. Nothing. But, but hey, we can, but we can, we can but pretend that's not it does nothing. something. <laughs> uh, so those are a couple dark horses. Those are some picks. Joel Damon, plus 17,500. <laughs> you know what that means? Not going to win. Don't bet him. 
How high would you be willing to go on betting some of these people? Okay, so you know, if you're asking me like the absolute like bottom of the barrel type guy, I'll give uh, you, I'll give you, I'll give you one name. I'll give you one name. Okay. 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 And do you consider like maybe like plus twenty five thousand like a long shot? Yeah. Okay. So plus twenty five thousand, Nick Taylor. Okay. Who fucks Nick Taylor? Exactly. I knew you were gonna say that. Nick Taylor. Clearly, you don't know what Nick Taylor's done this week at the RBC Canadian Open because. My man, he actually, he has won a PGA Tour event this year, just throwing that out there as well. Um, but Nick Taylor did yesterday, which was Saturday, because today is Sunday, even though it's Wednesday when you were listening to this, did go out and fire a smooth 63 in the third round. I don't know what he's doing on Sunday. Um, obviously, this is out Wednesday again, but I got, you know, Nick Taylor is a Canadian guy, plus 25,000. Are you sure Nick Taylor's in the open? Nick Taylor is in the open. I'm, I'm on the website, and he doesn't have odds. Yeah, he's there. You got to keep digging. Is it? I just, I just search. Is it Nicholas and I? Nope. N I C K. Taylor. T A Y L O R. I'm telling you. Well, uh, you know, VegasInsider.com doesn't have odds for Nick Taylor to win the U.S. Open. BarstoolSportsbook.com has him listed at plus twenty-five thousand. Okay. No free, no free advertising. <laughs> Nick Hardy, Nick Taylor. There he is. Interesting. Okay. Plus 25,000. So so to compare that to, again, Vegas Insider, Kevin Kisner is plus 27,500. Luke List, Kevin, plus 27,500. Kevin Kisner stinks this year. Don't even waste Martin, a penny on him. Martin Keimer, plus 25,000. That's a name. That's not not a name. Martin Keimer's been hurt. Hasn't really played much. Just saying. The guy that's done it. Sam Bennett. Plus 40,000. So. Equity 3 Real Estate is a full-service commercial real estate brokerage, management, and development company based out of Paramus. Equity 3 Real Estate focuses heavily in northern New Jersey. They cover industrial, multifamily, office, retail, and vacant land properties, as well as specializing in medical offices. They manage over 400,000 square feet of varying property types for passive investors. Their clients range from small to mid-range building owners and larger brokerages. So if you're looking for the right team to help you win, go check them out at www.equity3re.com or give them a call at 201-261-4300. That's 201 201- Two six one four three zero zero. You won't be disappointed. All right, let's change gears here from the U.S. Open, and let's get into uh, something a little closer to home for us. The New Jersey Mid Am was this week. Was last week? This week? Last. This last past week. week. And I don't know how to. Sometimes I get kind of confused in how to say that. If I think about the day we record compared to the day we're putting this out, sometimes it gets confusing. But uh, it was at it was hosted at Deal Golf and Country Club, three day event. They play stroke play on the first day, and then they get a field of sixteen, and they play match play. You got two matches on. Let's see, they did stroke on Tuesday, matches on Wednesday, like like round of sixteen. 
uh, Elite Eight, and then the next day is the Final Four and the Finals. And we hit some guys in it. There were, there were some guys that were playing in it, guys that we've talked to, guys that we haven't talked to yet, guys that we know. Um, and and it, was, it was quite a good list. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was like the who's who of New Jersey State Golf. Every time we looked up, it was like, yo, look at Mike Stamberger, number one seed. Guess who he's playing? Troy, our boy Troy down from Our boy from Troy, Louisville. yeah. And then, and then if you just go up and down the list, it was like, ah, oh, we had him on, or we talked to him, or he's going to be a, co- a guest coming on soon. Like, it was like name after name after name. And it was just like, it was really, really cool to see a bunch of what I like to call, and I know you make fun of me for this, is like household names when it comes to New Jersey golf. It was fun. You kind of feel like, I know at times I think highly of a lot of these guys in terms of who they are and what they've done, but there they all are again. Yep. You know? So I'm looking, I'm going back to, uh, I I only want to focus on, I don't want to talk negatively, so I only want to talk about the guys that made it. But some of those guys that we've either talked to or have some kind of relationship with, uh, like you said, Troy was the 15 seed, 16, 16 seed. If I go, if I go down the list, Troy was the 16, got to the finals. Uh, I know we've talked to Michael Brown, who he, who he lost to. Michael was a 14 seed. So the final of this was a 16 versus a 14. As you said, Michael Stamberger was the, was the, um, was the one seed. One. Uh, Jerry Wall made it, you know, made a little run. Troy beat him in the semifinals, in the Final Four. So the, if we keep going backwards, the Final Four was Troy versus Jerry Wall. Jerry we had on when we had Jack. Uh, Michael Brown and Anthony Campanelli were the, was the other one. So, again, those are all guys that we have talked to or are going to talk to. Pat Wilson was in the, was in the field. So it was just loaded with... Uh, it felt like half the guys were guys that we've interacted with. Let's let's call it that. Interacted with or or have interactions with. What a fun day, you know, fun couple days for us watching these guys that we have now vested interests in. And as you said, you have you have a, a little different like you hold these guys on such high, you know, high standards because of their because of, you know, your competitive golfness, you know, going to see guys hitting balls on the range and um, and I know what you mean because I've I've seen, again we've played with Troy, uh, I've seen Anthony hit balls. It, it sounds different than than when you and I hit golf balls. They go through a different process, so it, it's a, it's it is really cool to see. They are guys that we that we can kind of look up to, but now seeing other sides of them, they are they are dudes who we can root for. You know. So, yeah, and I think I think like anything, I, I talked to quite a few of them after stroke play and just like anything the goal is always just to get to match play because really the seeds are irrelevant when it comes to match play because it's just you versus the other person it doesn't even matter what you shoot you just want to get there you know but I think when you saw all the matchups actually come out you know seeing Troy who is an absolute stud you know he just was the mid-am champion down at the Philly at, at the gap last year so he clearly he knows how to win Michael Stamberger's record speaks for itself so when you saw that first round matchup that is like no one and 16 matchup like nah it's not even close that's probably like a championship matchup so the fact that those two are going head to head right off the bat you knew someone was going to make a run out of that and Troy only beat him one up 
Well, and the, and the other thing is, between the top 16 is only four strokes. Michael Stamberger shot two under 69 on that first day. Troy shot two over, 73, and, and got in on a, on a three-hole playoff. So you're looking at, it's like, yes, it's a one and a 16, but there's only Record four wise, strokes. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's certainly not. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think the other matchup, the thing that stood out a lot compared to the other ones was number two versus number 15. If like, And that's why I say, like, seeds can't matter. You know, Pat versus Anthony is no, like, no walk in the park for either one of them. I, obviously, Anthony had, you know, the leg up being at Deal, his home course. No one probably knew it better, that whole top 16, than Anthony. And, you know, and clearly he made a little bit of a run. And then, obviously, if you press fast forward, you get to the Final Four. You know, you and I were going back and forth texting, like, dude, what four matchups? Like, or what what four players in two matchups is that? Because, you know, again, and that's why seeds don't matter. If you look at it, 14, 15, 5, 16. Those are the four seeds that are in there. So, clearly, the seeds is irrelevant. You know, who's playing well at the right time? And then Troy just obviously played extremely well against Jerry, um, you know, winning at 6-4. and four. You know, Michael Brown made a huge comeback down the stretch versus Anthony, winning, you know, two of the last three holes, 16-17. And if you want to even date further back, you know, Michael Brown was one down with basically five to go and rallied back yeah. um, to, to win that match on the 19th hole. So, that, like, that was obviously big. I had actually pitted- stopped watching that match because I think I think they were through 16 and – is it through 16 and Anthony was uh, was one up? Through 12, Anthony was one up. Because then Michael Brown went on a little binger where he won 13, 14, 16, 17. Oh, so it was earlier. Yeah. but uh, Oh, no, wait. No, it's, I take that back. Was that – I take that back. Was I, Am I misstating that? That might have been in Troy's match. That might have that yeah, been in Troy's in match, Troy's. pal. Yes, you are right. I apologize. You are right. He was two up going into 16. Two up going into 16, yeah. And then he lost 16 and 18. 16 and 18 to, yeah, go you're right. to, to tie. So, like, correct. Yeah, I had, I had stopped, stopped following because, again, I think there's no way that Anthony's going to bogey 18. You know, again, he knows, he knows that course better. I've seen him birdie 17. So, uh, I, I just. I know that he's that I know that he can do that and should just okay just just play even with uh with Michael out. Yeah. And, yeah, and I was I looked at the wrong match. You're you're 100% right with that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a stunning stunning one. Um but again, that just shows you how hard golf is. Right? Even and if how you know good the all so these well. guys are. Yeah. That any mistake someone can someone's going to jump in. Yeah, so that that's where I was kind of looking ahead. At. I was looking at the Michael Brown versus Troy final, where Troy was one up. I stand corrected with with five to go, and that's where you know Michael Brown kind of flicked the switch a little Go, bit. Goes on um, a tear, yeah, yeah, and and just he wins, wins out. 13, 14, 16, 17. Yeah, Michael Brown. You know, it's four time NJSGA champion. You know, um, you know he's won multiple events. You know. He's won the New Jersey State Am. He's won the four ball there. If you if you saw in his quotes, him and his partner Peter Barron, they won the four ball deal last year. So clearly, he had some you know recollection of the golf course, which definitely helped him. Um, so he wasn't necessarily going in blind. Um, 
you know, and, and it was all South Jersey final with Troy and Michael Brown, two guys that are all the way out there in, in Southwest Jersey. So, um, you know, South Jersey kind of flexing its muscles a little bit there. So, so let me ask you this, or, or let me bring this up. They didn't play 18, which is a par three. Who didn't? Michael and Troy. They got, they got to that. Troy, Troy won the seven. Troy was two up going into 17. One, no, two down. Uh, correct. Yep. Michael. Michael was up two going into 17. So Troy has to win 17 and win 18. Michael ends up winning with a birdie on 17. So he wins three and one. That's how that scored. Okay, got it. They also keep the score, like as they've played golf throughout. Michael has a 62 through 17 holes with a par three to play. Yeah. Troy yeah. has a 65 with a par three to play. So even if you go that Brown's going to bogey, that's a 66 is playing some fucking golf. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that because... And I would even say if you're playing that well, good chance you're not bogeying it. You're probably parring it. Yeah, dude, I, I, I literally, just like, like anything, dude, just like, I'm a, I'm a fan of these guys because like I've, I've, we've joked around, like I even texted Troy afterwards and talked to him and he, and his quote says back to me, says, yeah, that was a tough one. Michael was minus six through 17 holes today. Yeah. So, I mean, no offense. And, and you just said Troy's numbers. No, he's not that far off. No, I mean no, I gave both, but yeah, it, yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. Because it's crazy. Listen, it, it, they golf, yeah. they golf. But if, look but at I'm all just, the scores. But I'm just looking at the other one. Like if you look on the same day, Anthony played Michael. Both guys shot 71. Mm-hmm. So they played yeah. 35 holes. They went even on the in the morning, so to speak. And and Troy put in work in, in his in his final four matchup. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But even but even so, he shot thirty five on the front. They only played fourteen holes. But yeah. but to go that low in the final is is low. Yeah, it's golfing, and yeah, that's why is. that's why like and that's why I say like I think for a lot of competitive golfers, I think that's like shorty. Shorty got low, low, low. Okay, I'm going to move on from that one. But, like, I think a lot of times <laughs> if you talk to competitive golfers, the idea is just to get in. Because if you get into the championship, like, it's just like that's a huge accomplishment because the majority of us people can't shoot 65 on a, on a whim. Right. Nonetheless, do it in the finals of the championship mm -hmm. with all the pressure on you. So, yeah. like, these guys are very, very good. I mean, we saw it firsthand when we played with Troy out in Little Mill. Um, I think that day he shot 65. At least, God damn it, he felt like he shot 65. It felt like he shot 52. <laughs> Through 27 holes. Yeah, I, I mean, even even you look at Pat, like we know how good Pat is. Pat lost his first match to Anthony shooting 68. That's three under. And he got... Minus, he didn't play the 18th hole, but yes. D oh, that's right, didn't play 18. But even so, if he pars 18, you're telling me it's a par three. He shoots even par, and and got and got rather got worked. Three and one, right? Yeah. And Anthony goes and shoots. He pars 18. He shoots 68. So like these guys 
are very, very you, you good gotta, golfers. You gotta go low, yeah. So, I would love to see your name in there one time. You'd love to see my name in there? Yeah, like, I'd love to see, like, Ryan Coulot. You know, like, can we get you in the mix? We talked to Dave Cronheim about it. Uh, I think there needs to be a mid-handicap mid-am. You know, something for us, you know, 7 to 15s. Yeah, that's where you get the sandbaggers in, though, that just cheat their way to 7 to 15s. And sometimes, no offense, I've seen you roll the putter, so, like, uh, I'm not sure I'm really going to buy this. Oh, that's Uh, hurtful. You know that I'm not doing that. But, nonetheless, nonetheless, listen, obviously, credit to Brad Barden and his crew out there at the NGSGA. They obviously run first-class first tournaments, and the venues that they have, the ones that are coming up, you know, I, I do know that, you know, Michael Brown won again this past week, and I spoke to him specifically. We'll be getting him on the podcast relatively soon to talk about that. Um, I do know this week, him, Troy, even Jerry, they're all going out to the Philly mid Um That starts... Monday, obviously today is Wednesday, so today would be the final round for that out there. Um, and then after that, Michael Brown said he'd, he'd be willing to give us a few minutes to come on. So, you know, we got a lot of big names, Anthony being one of them as well. Like, you know, things are things are, are moving in the right direction. Full steam ahead. Jump on now. Don't get left behind. This thing is going to the moon. Tequila tastes better when it's sunny. Sunny Seltzer is an alcoholic spirit derived from the agave plant and infused with seltzer water for an effervescent escape. Started by a New Jersey native, it's light, crisp, and goes down easily both on and off the golf course. Currently available at over 50 retailers across New Jersey, check out drinksunny.com or on Instagram at drinksunny. Cheers to sunny days ahead. All right, Rye, so I'm going to try to jump in a little bit here, but let's change gears and head over to From the Grandstand. And I know the past, the God, this has to be, what, five episodes in a row where a different audience member has reached out, sent us something to talk to, and I kind of am pitching this idea like, hey, if a business or someone wants to jump in and sponsor this segment, um, we're all eyes and ears to that. And lo and behold, we nailed it. I think we found the perfect partner for From the Grandstand. So moving forward, okay, From the Grandstand is brought to you by Sunny Seltzer. hey Sunny Seltzer. Let's go. Tequila tastes better when it's sunny. It's such a good tagline. Don't forget that, gentlemen, ladies, anybody that's listening. I will say this, you know, I know Sean and I had went back and forth a lot about trying to figure out a way to make this work, um, but I can't thank him and, and Sonny Seltzer enough to, to sponsor this segment. You know, Sonny Seltzer you know, will be the segment so- sponsor of this moving forward, so um, you know, go give them a follow on Instagram. It's at DrinkSonny. Give them a follow, um, and, and you know, cheers to sunny days ahead. But today's question. Mike, okay. do you know where they're from? Morristown, New Jersey. How perfect is that? Listen, right, we're talking I, golf in the Garden State. We're now sponsored by a New Jersey New Jersey drink. brand. This is this Listen, is Listen, what 
You couldn't ask Simpatico. for anything better because it's it is a perfect thing again if you're talking about on the golf course, off the golf course. Who doesn't like a little tequila? You know? Nobody. Sunny outside. It's sunny outside. Crack that thing open and let's go. <laughs> but let's get into the question because the question is another it's an interesting one and it's a good one that I'm dying to hear your thoughts on because I don't like when you know these and I don't know if you know what today's is, but today's question is from Dennis from Monmouth County. And, and, you know, I don't know if they know that you live in Monmouth County, so they're trying to stay close and stay nice to you. But these are my people. Here, is, here is today's question. Do you think the ball rollback will be on hold since all the upheaval happening with the Live and the PGA Tour. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hard yes. Hard wow. yes. No, hesi- no, no hesitation. hesitation. Nope. Uh, I-, I can't imagine. I would think it has to be on hold while the PGA Tour figures out this new merger. Right? They can't possibly take on two of the biggest things ever in golf history to happen at the same time. Right? Are they that stupid? They can't possibly be. So I, I well, listen. I, I will say it, this: you probably didn't think they were going to join forces with Live. I, it's also very true, but I, I can't think that they're going to compound stupidity with more stupidity. While I think the so rollback I, is is is, we've talked about that. I don't like the rollback anyway. I, I think they're going to put it on hold with all the upheaval on it. Now this merger, I just can't imagine that they're going to go forward with it for for next season. Can't and I think to. I think to clarify, it's not obviously starting next season. I do want to clarify that. And I also want to clarify that it's not the PGA Tour specifically. This is a USGA rule change, okay? Now, the PGA Tour follows the USGA rules. Now, this rollback would be considered a unwritten local rule. You did not have to adopt it. But if you were to play in the United States Open or you played in the British Open, which the RNA and the USGA oversee, then you'd have to change the golf ball. We know how this whole thing works in terms of like, are they going to have two different balls for two different tournaments, and then the other 25 they are going to play the regular Pro V1, and they're not going to date back to the Titleist Tour Ballada? Like, I don't know. Um, but I do think in terms to what Dennis was asking, like, does it get put on pause? Listen. I'd like to say that it's 100% on pause. It's now the back burner. This should probably be something we don't even talk about. Ever again. But I, right, but I say that, <laughs> and you probably could quote me in that earlier on that I would have said Live and PGA Tour never would coexist to some extent. And the fact is, like, nope, that's going to happen, and quite frankly, that could happen next season is mind-blowing. So just that this rule was not going to take a, uh, take effect tomorrow. The fact is like this is supposedly coming. Now, when does it come? I don't know. I just hope that maybe this kind of like says, slow down. We don't need it. It's not necessary. Let's figure out the PGA Tour and how to make this evolve. That includes the live guys. But God almighty, if we're talking about the ball rollback on top of the live merger, on top of the PIF money coming in, this is like, I mean, Jay Monahan must have his head spinning. He might need a couple private jets. 
And you're not, and you don't want to pay nonprofit CEO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. It's a good question, but I, I can't imagine that they're gonna, uh, that they're gonna push forward with this for for next year. And I like that you clarified it. So, so here's another question. Maybe you know this. Or would they play the qualifyings for the U.S. Open in a with a rolled back ball? Or are they playing it with a? They have it, to. If you're they have to. If you're playing a tournament under their set of rules, all the qualifiers, so think about it. Even guys like Brad Tilly, Stu Hagestad, Jack Wall, all those guys that try to qualify for these tournaments specifically, yeah. like they would have to play the rolled back ball because it's a USGA event. It's the same thing with you know the British Open. Like The RNA is involved here in that decision with the USGA. So those two majors, okay, would then use the rolled back ball. Now, again, they're talking about this rolled back ball not going into place to 2026. So, like, again, we're really kind of dating ourselves if we're thinking that, like, 2026 is on the horizon as if it's tomorrow. Right. But clearly, in order to get this going, you got to get those ball manufacturers thinking about this. you got to get them producing the product. you got to have the players now testing it. you got to... It's not something that you can all of a sudden say tomorrow, hey, listen, we're playing the Tour Ballada starting tomorrow. There's no more Pro V1. Like, nah. So they you said, fix... Is that the name of the ball, the Ballada? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you never heard about the Titleist Tour Ballada or the Titleist Professional 90s? Professional 90s I've heard of. Those are, those never, are like... Those that's are like the old... ball... That's the ball before the Pro V1. Like, in terms of, like, what everybody played, you either played the Professional 90 or the Professional 100. And before that was the Tour Ballada. Oh, I'd never heard of the Tour Ballada. Yeah, I'm a little older than you, so I can probably date things a little further back than you can <laughs> in the uh, inventory. <laughs> but, yeah, like, so I know it sounds two years down the road, but, like, yeah. Because I, I read an article, again, not Tour Ballada is on sale on eBay. 20 bucks for a, for a dozen. <laughs> Yeah, go hit one of those. Go hit one of those and compare it to whatever you play and let me know how far it goes. Because I read an article, and again, not everything on the internet's real. I get that. But it said on there that the Tour Professional 90 and the Tour Professional 100 would not be in effect under even the rule change that would go on in 2026 because it'd still be illegal. And that's where the Tour Ballada came out. Would that ball be okay? Yeah, it's crazy. So, listen, it's a great question from Dennis. It really makes you think kind of like outside the box and really makes you think and project ahead. Um, but, like anything, 2026 will be here before you know it. Yeah, it will. All right, let's get into the Mizuho Americas Open. Let's do it. What a day. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what a, day a day indeed. So, Mike, where do, you want to, where do you want to start? You want to start the background, or you want to start what we did and then go into the background? Let's, let's go let's to the go, background. Let, okay. Oh, no, you didn't like that. You were going to go first. I was going to go first. That, I was going to say, we sat down with Michelle Wee in the I same room. I think that's room, the best live. part. That's the juicy part. That's what people want to hear. But I think, just like anything, everybody wants the end result to be that. Like, as if you and I called her up and said, hey... Can we come up and talk to you? And it just happens. Like, that's not how it works. But I think sometimes people say like, oh, wow, do you have her on speed dial? You just made it happen. Like, she's in New Jersey. You went up. Like, no, it doesn't happen <laughs> like that. Even though I know some people truly think that, like, 
you know, we have that type of connection, but we do. I do but, love when people ask us, like, how'd you get that person on? How? A lot of DMs, emails, it's a lot phone of work. calls. And I think, yeah. And I, and I think that's it's one thing that if you've... Yeah, if you're an avid listener and you're a true follower and fan of what the things that we're doing, obviously we appreciate it. But that's the one thing that you and I don't take for granted is like behind the scenes, like the grind is real. Like we're trying to make this the hub for all things golf in the Garden State. So like if events are coming to New Jersey, like we want to be at those events. And the reality is you knew and we had heard back when when Michelle Wee was coming to New Jersey to Liberty National specifically for the Mizuho America's Open that she was the tournament host. So just like anything, my wheels start turning and it's like, all right, let me try to connect with this person to connect me to that person. So somehow, some way, I was given an email address to fire out to this person and say, is there any way that Ryan and I can get in front of Michelle or get Michelle on knowing that her tournament's coming right here to the Garden State? This email started, this chain started in mid-March, people, mid-March, okay? And we didn't sit down with her until early June. So, like, these are things that go on behind the scenes that, like, yeah, you should get this person on. Listen, we would love to. If you have a connection, DM me, hook me up. We will set it up. Um, but in terms of, like, a Michelle Wee, email's going back and forth. Easter's coming. The master's coming. She's clearly busy. Make a long story short, we didn't stop with the emails. And thankfully, her agents didn't either. They didn't give up. They never said no. They said they were going to make it their project to make sure that we got some time in front of her. Um, before you know it, it's the week of her tournament. The thing's starting on Thursday. I get an email saying on Monday, Michelle will give you some time on Friday in person at Liberty National at 9 o'clock. Done deal. Done deal. Like, nope, no questions asked. We will figure, figure out the details. And I know some people may be disappointed when you listen that it's not, it's not video, it's strictly audio. And that's some of the asks that they had on their end, which is completely fine because for two people like you and I, like just getting Michelle on and talking to her was a home run. But I think that's what the audience needs to understand. It's like, hey, listen, behind the scenes, things are real. Things are happening. And, you know, just like anything, we're trying to put out the best product that we can. So, you know, that's kind of how and what went on behind the scenes in order to land, you know, what I like to refer to as the Tiger Woods of the female game in Michelle Wade. No doubt. Yeah, she's, it, it was incredible. I mean, you and I grew up with her, you know, like like she was the, the Tiger Woods of the LPGA Tour for for our high school college years and it was it was i don't even have the words to say like when she walked into the room with us to it was just like a like a presence about her that was just overwhelming it, it was it was so cool it really was, listen it, it was, really so was so cool so when cool. she walked when she walked in we're like wow michelle <laughs> thank you for giving us some of your time like just like anybody i think if anybody that can relate to when you've met a celebrity or met someone that you've looked up to or you've watched on TV. I mean, God, I told her the story that when I went to Pinehurst last summer that I rewatched on NBC when she won the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. I told her that because I wanted to get familiar with the golf course, never thinking 12 months later I was going to be sitting in front of her. But right. there she is. So let's, let's talk about how she... She's the host of this tournament. So, like, we know that Tiger's got his host tournament. Um, and, and 
and Michelle wants to host this one. Let, let me backtrack. What I was blown away with when we talked about, when we talked with Michelle, and you guys will hear it in the interview, she talks about how the LPGA Tour doesn't have the same kind of accommodations or setup as the PGA Tour does. Things like the PGA Tour has hotels set up for, for their players. They got, they got cars. food arrangements, cars. They got all these things set up where even, even we, we know down at Seaview, like the girls weren't staying in the hotels, in the hotel on property. They had to go off property. So like the, the arrangements for the LPGA Tour, and, and Michelle talks about this, have been second rate for first-class talent. And, and I loved how she said that because th- these are professional golfers as well. And while they might not get the eyes on them that the PGA Tour does, they still deserve the same treatment and amenities. So her big thing is we want to host this tournament at an iconic event or at an iconic venue. And Liberty National is an iconic venue. And she goes in, talks about how Mizuho stepped up and and said we're gonna we're gonna pay for it. So they got ferry services from the city. They rented out a hotel in the city for the for the ladies to stay in. They it, it was it was a first class, first rate event for first class talent. And this is what Michelle wants the LPGA to become to to get eyes on it to where you know the venue because you've seen it played on the PGA Tour. And, and she even mentions, like, the LPGA Tours, the U.S. Open for the LPGA Tour is at Pebble this year. An iconic venue that everybody knows these shots and can say, oh, Tiger hit this shot from here or Rory hit this shot from here. Well, now you're going to be able to say Danielle Kang hit this shot from here. Nelly Korda hit this shot from here. Rose Zhang hit this shot from here. And you can, you can now equate women's golf on these iconic events. And, and even if you go to the website, a world-class talent meets an iconic location. And that, that was her thing in hosting it, which is why she brought it to Liberty National. And I was blown away, again, that, that there's not those same kind of accommodations. And I'm, uh, it was awesome that she brings it to, brings, or sheds light on it. You know, even if she's doing that at the very least. So hopefully there's going to be more sponsors like Mizuho that'll step up to get them on on some major courses. Again, more iconic courses, more locations that, you know, you and I had a great time at Seaview. It doesn't compare to Liberty National. It, it is a second-rate course when you compare it to Liberty National. And and it's it's terrific, but it's not on that same level. You know, they're not hosting PGA Tour events in Seaview. No, not even, I think you not heard... even just for the length. Even if it was no. able to be tipped out at seventy four hundred, it, it's no. not. You're not hosting events there. So when you look at this second, this this quote unquote second level, this is what they get. They deserve to be on the first level. Uh, it was. I love that she's had this vision and was able to accomplish it. And it was great to help her shed light on it. Yeah, and I think one thing that, and I, and I'm gonna stop this here because I don't want to keep going on about the whole interview because I think you need to listen to it. But the one thing that I took away a lot from listening to Michelle talk was venues matter. Venues matter. And I think when you listen to the interview, you'll see and hear the reasons why venues matter so much to such a prolific golfer like Michelle. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I hope you enjoy the interview with Michelle. We're going to throw it to you there now. It was, it was really great. Uh, I, I, we should point out, Mike, she does go by Michelle Wee West now. We've said Michelle Wee this whole time, but uh, she is married to, if anyone's a basketball fan, I know you and I both are, she's married to Jerry West's son. Jerry West is famous uh, Hall of Fame player, executive the for logo. the Lakers. He's the logo. The logo. Uh, he's, um, right, she, th- those those are some rich bloodlines that she's got there. And I don't mean rich like wealthy. I mean, like, those are some those are some athletic uh, athletic blood running through her through her kids. So, um, so I hope you enjoy the interview with Michelle Wee West. We're going to send you there now. Enjoy. All County Exteriors is a third generation premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business in a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you had planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. So today's guest is an unbelievable person she carries so many titles and i'm sure i'm not even going to get to them all she's a mom a wife a businesswoman a major champion a podcaster and the tournament host of this week's mizuho america's open michelle wee west thank you so much for giving us some of your time today wow, thanks for coming you know i i think when ryan and i started this conversation back in March about like maybe we can get lucky and get up to Liberty National and, and actually see this place and even maybe just cross paths with you it was like kind of like a dream um, and the fact that we're all sitting here today is like incredible. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Hope it lives up to your expectations. Oh, there's, there's no doubt it will. And I, and I obviously doing some research about like why Liberty National and I know um, the things that I've read that venues matter a lot to you and I think when you're able to jump on board a tournament as the host and running things like finding that spot matters I guess when you were deciding on where this may end up why here yeah I mean um, I, I deeply believe that venues matter in elevating the women's game um, you know, Liberty National is obviously very well known. Um, they've hosted FedEx playoff events. They've hosted the President's Cup. And events of even that caliber on the PGA Tour, people recognize this golf course. The fans, when they watch it on TV, they recognize every single hole. And they remember, oh, Jordan Spieth did this here. Tony Finau won the golf course, uh, won the tournament on this hole. So if we're playing these types of venues where fans recognize the course, more fans will innately tune in. Um, we cannot be a top tour, top tier tour if we play second tier courses. That is just 
how it is. Um, and the fact that we're here at Liberty National, the Fireman family has been so gracious for us to host this event. They are very deeply involved with junior golf. The Fireman family are incredibly invested in growing the game. You know, and this is a purpose-driven event. At the end of the day, Mizuho Americas is, is so deeply invested in empowering women, elevating women within their own company. Now, these are pillars of their own company and advancing the next generation. So this is a purpose-driven event. This is, you know, to, this is, we're all here to empower these women, to elevate the women's game and to foster the next generation. That's why having the 24 juniors here in the field um, is super important to us as well. Right, what a great marriage. You said those pillars line up perfectly. Yeah, and I think when you get to like the, the I, I, you know, I thought the big sister part of how you incorporated that with the LPJ pros with the AJJ girls was like, is such a good thing because I think we've talked about you and I at length about like having a mentor to some degree and just being able to be open and free to say to someone like, hey, what would you do in this situation or how would I handle this? A lot of these girls may eventually be on the other side of the ropes per se. Um, what was the reasoning behind making that little program? Oh yeah, um, that is really dear and dear to my heart because I've had the best mentors on tour. Um, you know, Meg Mallon, Beth Daniel really took me under their wing. Um, Kari Webb as well too. And having Hall of Famers to that caliber, <laughs> you know, kind of gave me advice on what to do with my career. I mean, it was just, just so amazing. Um, and I got, I got to know Meg Mallon um, because we got paired together in a pro-am. And it was just in that instance that we connected and she was so nice to me from the get-go. And I just, I, we all felt like having the Big Sister program was just an easy way to make that connection. But so, you know, as awkward as tournament we people have their heads down. Um, and of course, players want to help out the juniors, but it's hard for them to go out of the way. It's, you know, it's, it's awkward, yeah, right? To yeah, just go 100%. up to someone and be like, hey, I want to be your mentor. <laughs> right, exactly. Like that's just not going to happen. Or someone's not going to be like, can you be my mentor? You know, it's just awkward. So we felt like, Especially during competition weeks, exactly. like hey, we're here to like we're here to work, here exactly. to win. Exactly. Yeah. And I know that the juniors want mentors, and I know that the pros want to be mentors. So it was just like an easy way to kind of line them up, and they were so gracious. They, um, we had them exchange phone numbers, um, so they um, schedule the practice rounds, schedule a meal together, um, and it's just really cool to see. You know, Paula Kramer kind of posting. Oh, I wish my junior the best of luck, and you know she talks about her in the interviews, and you know the junior talks about her. Like, it's just it's been really cool to see that really cultivate this week, and it's gonna continue to go on. Absolutely, yeah, that's so cool. Like you've said, everybody's looking for that, but there hasn't been that program to set it up yeah. this week. So that's incredible. And I, I think you found the perfect tournament sponsor too. Like doing some research and finding out how they're putting everybody up in New York City, like getting them to live that life over there for, for a little bit and not have to worry about the logistics of how am I getting there? When are we leaving if I miss the cut? Like all those details, I think that the outside doesn't realize to have a title sponsor come in and do all that, like the stress that that takes off people to now just sit back and enjoy the whole event even more. Like. You know, speak a little bit about that and their, their sponsorship. Yeah, for sure. Mizuho America's at every point. Um, like I said, it's a purpose-driven event. And, you know, you, you can easily donate to a charity, which we have done. We've partnered with Girls, Inc. But it's just like every little small detail, they've gone above and beyond. Mm -hmm. And these are big financial commitments that, you know, this uh, yeah, the purse the company too. is making the purse too. that you aren't seeing on TV, per se. Yeah. You know, the ferry is a big cost. Um, mm -hmm. The... The hotel rooms are a big cost. 
um, you know, and we in our one of our first meetings, you know, they were like, oh, we're gonna be so close to New York City, so it'd be great to take advantage of that. And I was like, you know, they're not gonna stay in New York City. They wasn't gonna stay, you know, in an Airbnb close to the golf course um, here in New Jersey. And um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's not gonna be the same. Um, you're not gonna get the same effect that the men have when they all stay in the city and you have ferry rides that come back and mm -hmm. forth. Um, and you get the videos of that, and they're like, oh, okay. I was like. Yeah, they're like it'd be really great, you know. Like every week, it's just such hard logistics trying to figure out commercial flights, trying to figure out, you know, which hotel we're staying at. It's very different from NFL, NBA, where everything is just automatic. You just show up with your bag somewhere, and the rest is taken care of. This is literally the opposite. You have to figure out everything. Everything. It adds so much to the plate. Where like if you have to worry about your logistics and oh, yeah. playing, it's like like those other they just worry about playing. Yeah, and exactly. If your clubs don't come, then. <laughs> You know, you're like, what? But then this week, you know, all the major um, re club companies were here with their trucks, like they do yeah. on the PGA Tour, which yeah. is also really great. But yeah, we, Mizuho and I, were t um, and we were talking, and they were like, okay, we're just going to buy out the hotel then. And I was like, great. Yeah. It was that easy? It just was like that easy. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing is it just makes this event one that everybody wants to come to now. It's not yeah. like, am I going to skip this one because it doesn't work in my schedule? Like, the purse the golf course and i think that's one thing for us like being a podcast that talks all about golfing in the garden state like when we heard this way back when like oh michelle wee west is bringing this to liberty nationals like oh my god dude we've got to find a way to get up here <laughs> and now like when you step on scene and you see everything it's like wow it's amazing yeah and i've always said that you know in order to you know start to decrease the pay gap um, start to elevate the women's game, you need buy-in from corporations. And, you know, Mizuho Americas has done just that. And we've raised the game this week with mm -hmm. player dining. Um, you know, we have steak for lunch. Um, like, <laughs> Sign me up for that. Yeah. I know. We have, that? Yeah, we have a smoothie station. We have a, you know, major order omelet station. These are like little things that are hopefully going to have a ripple effect, you know, in the rest of the schedule. I would love to see more tournaments. Um, you know, pay for people's hotel rooms and, you know, make the logistics a little bit easier. Of course, we want to be the best tournament on the schedule, of course, but we also want every other tournament to be like ours. And we want to make that change. We want to create that ripple effect for the rest of the other corporations, the other amazing sponsors that we have on tour to just be like, okay, we need to step up our game. They've already done so much for our tour, but, you know, that little bit of competition, you know, always, you know, really helps. Right. And you can't be, like you said, you can't be a first rate tour with second class amenities. Yeah. And, and things like, uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know that, like, the trucks weren't at all the LPGA oh, events. Not, yeah, I that's, mean now it's kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah, that, like, I mean we we don't we don't have them at we used to have them at even at majors. There were no trucks really? that came to majors. We just have our LPGA equipment truck, um, you know. But now it's really cool. I talked to the Titleist rep yesterday and think he's going to be at ten or so events, yeah. which is a third of our schedule. And mm -hmm. TaylorMade is going to be at five or six. Mm -hmm. um, so we're getting there, yeah. you know. Um, it's just, it's just great that these companies are, you know, putting in extra resources to be here. And that's like you said, you know, that's how we become a top tier, you know, tour. I mean, we already, tennis and golf are already the two sports that, you know, are, are another level for female athletes, but we want to keep raising the bar. Yeah, and there's no doubt with names like yours, like that helps. Like, because I think that like when people see an event and that you're the tournament host, I think that just 
elevates things even more so on the competitive side too like saying like we got to up our ante a little bit here because what michelle's doing here isn't matching what we're doing there and i think that goes to all like even on the men's side like when tiger gets involved or even like jack's tournament this week like like you talk about the smoothies he's got the milkshakes like that those little things i want milkshakes <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's something for next year yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying those are things i think that like the players look at and say like that's a reason a fun thing that's not always like in the fairway down the ropes like you're able to step away a little bit and kind of be a human being and say I can't wait to take my son or daughter to go get that milkshake and I think having those things outside are so big and having names like you right be on be on board yeah hundred percent can we talk a little bit about your game yeah because I know the US (laughs) Open is coming up and I know that you've won it in the past Um, I was fortunate to take a trip to Pinehurst last summer and i can't lie on nbc i watched your whole thing from start to finish <laughs> to get acclimated with the golf course and i said oh this is and now it's kind of like coming full circle and i'm sitting here with you <laughs> after watching that whole thing um but now that i see it's at pebble beach obviously another exclusive golf course like what are your feelings about going into that week for you personally are you excited nervous are you anxious you know, I did see in the interview that you've only played one nine holes out there. Yeah, um, true. And obviously your time this week is beyond busy. <laughs> um, what are you projecting for yourself looking in, into that? You know, I'm just using, it's really going to be a week of celebration. Literally all my family's going to be there. My in-laws are going to be there. Um, you know, my friends are going to be there. And it's just going to be a, a huge week of celebration. Um, you know, when I announced that I'd be stepping away last year, um, when I played Pine Needles, unfortunately my husband got COVID, um, so my daughter couldn't come, my parents couldn't come, and I was just like sitting in a hotel room by myself, yeah. like, ah, <laughs> this is not really the way to go. I wanna, you know, and obviously, you know, knowing Pebble Beach was the next year, there's no way I was gonna miss that. And again, right. you know, with the iconic venue, I mean, there's really nothing more iconic than than Pebble Beach. I know. Um, you know, even though the U.S. Open winning that just you know, it's the hugest honor to win it on an iconic golf course. I think just it's it puts it even up in a higher caliber. Um, the number of times that I've heard people say, oh, she won the US Open at Pinehurst, that just adds like a whole nother, level. you know, element and whole nother level to even the US Open. Um, and this year, we're gonna be on primetime TV. You know, I mean, it's just, that's why having iconic venues as our tour stops is, is so important because the TV comes hand in hand with the venue. You know, you're not gonna get prime time on a course that no one knows. And you know, just with Pebble Beach, again, people watch it. You don't need to, you know, you, you, just, you just know the golf course. Yeah, Listen, you know. from the video games, yeah. from the video games, yeah. from seeing it all the time, it's like, you can tell, you, oh, that's 18 at Pebble, or exactly. that's seven at Pebble. Like, you know, yeah, you yeah. know those holes. And people It'd are like, like, oh. Jordan did this, yeah. and now they can say Michelle did this. Yeah, this. or like Tiger did that. And that's how we can get compared. And, you know, the thing is when, you know, our spokespeople are like, these girls are good. Okay, I'm just going to take my word for it. But when you're able to compare that to the men, and compare to, oh, Tony did this, but oh, look our girls that did that even better or you know wow like if people need to have something to compare it to right yeah. you need you know we need to have the stats that show how good these girls really are on tour mm-hmm. um and it's just having the iconic venues are just you know it's amazing i'm so excited to be at pebble um you know i think it's just a special place in general but 
um, you know, just having everyone there is going to be a really fun, fun thing. Yeah, we're excited yeah. to watch. For sure. I, I know for Mike and I, because we're about the same age, and like watching you grow up and seeing your stages of, of life and where you are now, and like using the word celebration, I think is such a, such a cool word for you. Like, like playing in it, sitting in a hotel room by yourself, like what, with no amenities like you have here, like th that's, who wants to do that? Nobody wants to, nobody wants to grind for, you know, 20 weeks on tour like that. So going to an iconic place with all your family, friends, all those people, that's gonna be such a special week for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying celebration right now, I'm stressed out. Yeah. And I have anxiety <laughs> but yeah, so it will be a celebration. Just keep saying celebration. Yeah, it's a celebration, it's a celebration. I think if I say that enough, I'll believe it. Yeah. Um, no, but you know. Hey, listen, you never know. Come yeah. Sunday. Come Sunday. Exactly, hopefully. Never <laughs> Sunday. You know, why um, not you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like one of those things where like Pebble was always like, okay, Pebble's gonna be the last one. It's not here yet, it's not here yet. And it's getting closer and you know, I know the Monday afterwards is gonna feel very, very strange. Yeah. All of a sudden it's gonna be a week before and you'll be like, I guess I should hit golf balls. Now. Yeah, no, that's like, really yeah. literally where I am right now. <laughs> so listen, I don't wanna take up any more of your time, but I know Ryan has a very good last question that we like to ask the guests and, and Michelle's the perfect it, person. For sure. Uh, so golfers are, are superstitious by nature. I oh think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, right, and I think it, it does go for all sports, but I think for golf, it's it's even more uh, like like someone has said habits or whether you want to call them quirks or whatever. When you're going into a competition, what are some of your habits or superstitions that you have? You know, do you have to have two teas in a pocket? Do you eat something the night before? Like, what are what are some give us some insights? In yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just the smile, just the smile and the reaction you can tell. It's like, I oh, know, I don't want to let these out. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, like the way I write my number four on a scorecard, I change it up if I'm playing bad. Okay. Um, switch ball markers if I'm playing bad. Um, before the cut, I don't like to cut things with a scissor. Okay. Yeah. I'm a special one. Uh, I like those. Do you do a lot of tearing then instead of cutting? I try not to like, just know, avoid, cut or Just tear. hand it to people? Just, yeah, avoid it at all costs. That's yeah. great. That's, That's great. incredible. So listen, thank you so much thank for you. giving us some of your time today. This has been like 100%. an unbelievable experience. Yeah. Thank you very much. For thank sure. you. Thank you so much. And good luck this week and, and at Pebble. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank yeah, awesome. you.